0: Achieving the right balance between personal and professional needs is not always easy. It's important to acknowledge your needs and give yourself space to learn from failure.
1: Charles Darwin says that it is not the strongest of species that survive, but those that are most adaptable to change. And this is about change. This is about evolving. This is about becoming new and better people.
0: That's Brooke M. Buckley, MD, FACS. Dr. Buckley is vice president and chief medical officer At Meritus Health. On this episode of Moving Medicine, a podcast from the American Medical Association, Dr. Buckley talks about personal and professional satisfaction, excelling as a leader and mentor, and learning from failure. I'm your host, Todd Unger, Chief Experience Officer at the American Medical Association. This episode of Moving Medicine is one of three parts on physician well being. The speech was presented at the 2018 AMA Interim Meeting. Here's Dr. Buckley.
1: This is just kind of the perspective of a full-time, you know, surgeon, working mom, trying to figure out how to make it all work. So um, I'm just going to talk briefly about being unwell, finding happiness, and solutions for self and profession. So in the form of a soap note, uh, the glory days of medicine are gone. The objective, it's their fault. You can insert your favorite they, their, regulators, the CEO, you know, the dark side, my mom, I don't know. It's their fault. Um, the assessment is that I'm not going to meditate. Yoga ain't going to fix it. And the plan is to take a time machine back to the glory days, days of giants, and it's all good, right? So that's kind of how we talk about burnout. That's how we talk about fatigue. And... Um, It sounds kind of silly like this, but this is truly like the level of our conversation in a lot of halls in the hospitals. So I don't know if any of you remember Dr. Jensen. He was a delegate from the, uh, from Chi. He's still a, de- a Med member, but he's no longer a delegate. He's in his uh, mid-70s. He's an ophthalmologist, trained at Hopkins, as hardcore as they get. He just recently stopped working six days a week, and that's just because he's added other things to his schedule. Um, and so when I went to talk to the Maryland Eye Society, he said, I hope that you're going to tell them, get tough, work harder, and stop complaining, right? <laughs> And immediately I was like, but what about me, right? I'm a beautiful individual snowflake, like help me out here, man, like this is not the answer, right? But we hear this all the time and we kind of hear it from regulators and politicians and CEOs and you know, senior partners, et cetera. Um, so what do we do? So I think the assessment is change is hard, right? Like how many of these burnout talks have you gone to and Marcus Welby pops up, right? Like, oh my gosh, that's what we're looking for. How do we get there? Um, But the reality is, is Marcus Welby is not coming back and half the people in this room have never really seen or don't know who Marcus Welby really is except for the burnout talks. So, right, we're kind of stuck. We're kind of in this, like, grief curve or the change curve, and we're in this, like, anger, sadness, frustration spot, and we really haven't found a great way to get out. And the first JAMA article that I could find was in 1973 about physician wellness, and we're, like, now 45, 6, 8 years into, you know, talking about it. And actually, like, you can go back as far as, like, 2 AD on tombstones. The first duty of a physician is to heal himself before healing others, right? Like, This is an old conversation. Um, So, my new CEO, uh, because I just changed jobs and more about that later, says that in times of seismic change, not everybody makes the journey. I couldn't find a good polar bear picture here, but like it brings a lot to mind, right? Like the truth is we aren't all going to make this change. And that's a big deal for medicine because the talent and the skill set that is needed to transition us from Marcus Welby to the future of medicine is enormous and we're not all getting it in training not because the 80 hours that's an old song too and we got to get over that but because pathology is changing the way we present is changing society is changing and so what we're seeing is happening faster and sicker on a regular basis, and we've got to figure out how to catch up, and not all of us are going to make it. So the deal is, everybody in this room, we got to get there, so this is how we got to do it. So I joined the dark side six weeks ago. I'm a CMO now. Um, I've always been a practicing physician, but I realized that my skill set is getting bigger than the bedside. And if we don't have doctors in the C-suite translating the practice of medicine, keeping the heart of medicine alive, our practice and our profession will die. So... I fully resist the dark side and I think that we can run businesses like we should and not like we could. This is not naivety and youthful optimism. Um, going into the c-suite this is just dogged hard work that you need a surgeon you need a physician you need anybody who's willing to be a champion for doctors to get up there and tell them the way it is in a thoughtful metered way so that we can make real changes and, and make things happen and the final thing is that I have failed a lot and that is part of the story so origins Dan Brown right the difference between humans and computers is that humans fail repeatedly with no loss of enthusiasm. So, like, get over it. We all fail. Keep going. So we know that burnout is a pathological response to stress in the workplace. So burnout is about work. We've already heard a lot about that, and we know that 50% of us are in that train. And I would say that even if you don't feel burnout, even if you've found all the answers, the people around you, right, were docs, right? The absence of lesion does not mean the pathology isn't there. It doesn't mean it's not coming. It doesn't mean it's not obvious to everybody else. Just because it's like not on the x-ray yet, it's there. Okay, we need to deal with it. So Oliver Wendell Holmes says that I would not give a fig, and we can update the fig, but anyway, for, for simplicity on this side of complexity, but on the far side of complexity, I would give my life for simplicity. Right? What the heck does that mean? I, I read this the first time getting a manicure, and I was like, what the? I'm just, this is why you're not supposed to read tough stuff. But anyway, as I read it, this came to mind, that on the near side of complexity, things like love, like friendship, like joy... Right? These things, diversity, they're terms that we use. We kick words around a lot and we use them in completely different contexts depending on who we're with, how we're using them, what the sentence is, what the context is. But there are times where we expect those words to all mean the exact same thing. And so, 50 years later into love, that word has a totally different context. So, how do you take the Dr. Jensen rule and get it on the far side of complexity? So, things that we know. When you graduate from med school, you're as happy as anybody else. You're empathetic, you're joyful, you're loving life, you're healthy physiologically. And by the time we get done with you one year in, even in the 80 hours, you are less empathetic, less joyful, less healthy, more depressed than your peer cohort. So it takes us exactly 365 days to ruin you. Right? That's a pretty big, like, that's, that's a big deal. So when we were teaching, I did the AC the well-being curriculum for the residents for the general surgery at Anne Arundel Medical Center. And it just kind of smacked me in the face one day where I was like, wow, all you, like, dreamers, you snowflakes. Like, what about my vacation? What about my time off? Like, what about, like, I'm tired and my family and, like, mom, and we have a family reunion the second week of July, And I was like, wow, my job here is to either break you and turn you into me or make you go away, right? That is not really what we want for doctors, but that is exactly what we do in training is we take beautiful, wonderful, perfect human beings and turn them into the drones that are physicians on the other side. And if you don't conform to that mold, we give you all sorts of trouble, like, well, you're just a millennial, or you just trained in the 80-hour work week, or you didn't do fellowship, or maybe you just work in a rural town and you're not cool like me at the big house, right? So we cultivate this survival attitude, right? I can do anything for 30 days. I can do anything for a year, a decade. If I could just get to my retirement, it's all going to be okay. This is a very passive attitude, and we are men of action. We are women of action. We are people of action. And we create isolation. Tate Shanafelt talks about this a lot, the isolation, the non-humanness, the being alone. And we know that 400 of us are killing ourselves every year. So the easiest way to rebuild the physician workforce is to not kill ourselves, is to not retire early, is to not jump off into administration, right, is to figure out how to build high-functioning teams so that we can get back to the bedside and do what we know how to do. So we know the consequences. We already talked through that. P. Bradley Hall, the past president of the the Federation of Physician Health Programs, and if you don't know the PHP, it's something to get familiar with. It's a non-reportable place where you can go and get help and get evaluation it's private um, and it will help you stay in practice that's its goal but he says we don't handle being human very well nobody's asking us to save everyone they're asking us to take care of our corner of the earth as best as we can as imperfect humans and all of us have been in the place where you're like if I could have just studied harder worked harder I wouldn't have lost that person and that's an unreasonable expectation of self So do you know how you replace your pennies, right? You can't take more pennies out if you're giving them all away and you're not putting them back in. I think the key is an active awareness of self. It's knowing how you replace your pennies, right? So on a day where the last patient comes in at 4 o'clock instead of 3 o'clock and you've got a plane, because it's always when there's a plane to catch that the patients come in late and it's always a mess. Um, But do you know how you recover quickly so that you're not yelling at the office staff and you're not grumpy with the patient and missing the diagnosis? Do you know how you do this slowly over time? And really, truly importantly, is, do you know how you do it when your jar is empty? right? When you are at the absolute end of your rope, how do you recover? What goes through your brain? What are you worrying about? Are you worrying about your family? Are you worrying about your town? Are you worrying about, you know, people back home in another country? Like, who are you worrying about? And how do you react? Are you angry? Are you sad? And what shiny objects, right? The movie Up, like squirrels. Like, where do you go? Do you go to, do you go to alcohol? Do you go to parties? Do you go, you know, and and read a book? Do you do something like yoga? Like, where do you go? And if you don't know where you go, you can't, really actively choose healthy behaviors. So Tate Shanafelt says if you do at least 20% of work that is edifying, that is positive, that you love, the other 80% can be total trash and you're fine, right? So We can't really make the EHR go away. We can't really get in a time machine, but we can remember what our 20% is, figure out what it is, and this kind of, well, I just want to be a clinician, that is not an answer. That is an answer, but it's not a full answer. That is a superficial swath across, I want to get in my time machine. Do you want to be at the bedside? Do you want to make diagnoses? Do you want to deal with the socioeconomic factors and get somebody on their feet again? What is it about being a clinician that really speaks to your heart, and how do you build a team yourself to get back there. I have toddlers. Use your words. You have got to be specific about who you want to be and how you want to get there, or you will never get there, right? Like, I did this health coaching thing, and I was like, I really want to get in shape, and I, I should... Back up and say I did a health coaching certificate because I needed help and I wouldn't talk to anybody so I went and got the certificate so that I wouldn't have to talk to anybody but they kind of did this like <laughs> ninja mind trick on me and you couldn't graduate unless you talked to somebody so I had to talk to somebody so anyway in the process and she was like I was like oh great great I'm not gonna tell anything real I'll just be like I'm gonna get in shape because who doesn't want to do that and she was like okay so what are you doing I was like I'm thinking she was like, "Yeah, no, that's not really going to work very well." And I was like, "Well, okay." So, I um, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking, and she goes, "Do you have shoes?" I was like, no. So she's like, Well, I dare you, yeah, not dare you, she didn't say that. <laughs> she said, You know, you should go out and get a pair of shoes and wear them in your house. And that's pretty hard to say no to, right? So I went to the running store and this skinny little thing in tights came up to me and I ran back out of the running store and I went back home. And so then I had my husband drive me to the running store and I was like, Do not let me get back in this car until I have a bag full of running shoes. And so I went back in and a skinny little thing in tights and I came flying back out and he did another loop around the parking lot and was like, "Mm -mm, not happening. And I'm like standing there. Oh my gosh. So I did get running shoes and I now walk two and a half miles a day before work every day for about a year. Um, So it starts with little teeny steps and it starts with knowing what it is that you want. So The answer that yoga bowl, or yoga yoga pants, the singing bowl, and the juicer are going to fix it, right? How often do we hear this, right? Like, if you just, if you have these three elements, you're good to go. But the problem, and this is my college roommate with a Harvard Divinity degree who has kind of checked out of the busy life like we have, and she takes amazing good care of herself. But my kind of pushback as a general surgeon is kind of like, yeah, but who's going to grow the kale? Right? Like, you can't juice stuff if nobody's growing it. And, like, we're the growers. We're the people that are doing the hard work trying to keep the wheels turning. So the problem is we are people of answers. We like destinations. And happiness is not a place. Happiness is meditation. Happiness is all day, every day picking and choosing things that make your life joyful balance is the same way, right? Facebook makes it look fabulous. Like, look at that person. She's got everything. He's got everything. We've all got everything. No, like, the picture before and after, like, today, I drew on that wall for the AMA, and I'm going to out myself right here. Did this little cute little kick, put it on Twitter. Aren't I cute? Aren't I fun? I got my pink boots on. I had the sticker on the bottom of my shoe from the rack, right? Like, oh my gosh, I'm going to, like, tweet that I've got my, like, discount shoes going. So, I went back, and I took another picture, and, you know, got it taken care of, and, uh, Twitter will make it look all good like I got this going on so Charles Darwin says that it is not the strongest of species that survive but those that are most adaptable to change and this is about change this is about evolving this is about becoming um, new and better people mindfulness it's situational awareness it is how do you fit when you are in the most hectic situation in your work right? The slow ones we can figure out because we can be sloppy and it still works. But when it is hectic, do you know how you fit in a word, in a paragraph? Are you the person who, because of your title, you win? Or are you the person because of your character, you win in this situation?
0: Curated from more than 3,000 major newspapers, magazines, and journals, the AMA Morning Rounds newsletter delivers the top stories in healthcare right to your inbox Monday through Friday. Subscribe today and check out all the AMA's free newsletters at ama-assn.org slash myinbox. That's ama-assn.org slash myinbox.
1: This guy, these guys, are these leaders, right? Are these people that you want to be, that you want to show up as? Or what about these guys? Right, like, what is it about Jesse Ehrenfeld that we're all like, oh my God, that guy's amazing, right? Like, he's always together, he's always articulate, he's thoughtful. Um, not to pick on Jesse, but like, I took ten years off from the AMA to go do state stuff, and I came back and I was like, gosh, he's still amazing. Like, what is going on there? Um, but the deal is that leadership are is words and actions intended to create change. So the problem is both those people are leaders, right? Twenty eighteen America got a lot of leaders, some of whom we'd like to be like and some of whom not so much. So it's about being the leader that you want to be and knowing how you fit, knowing if you use hierarchy or if you use actual character and skills and thoughtful action, meditative, situational awareness, if you want to go down that direction with it, about how to fit in. And really importantly is... Do you follow? Can you follow? I don't know about for the surgeons in the room, but if you ever put two surgeons on a table together and neither one of them is willing to be the first assistant? It's miserable. You have to have somebody who's willing to back off and follow. You have to have a team where people lead and people follow. And being able to be part of the constructive conversation asking the questions that need to be asked, but once the plan is set, go with it, okay? And if it's really bad, you're the whistleblower, and don't go with it. But in terms of how the hospital moves, in terms of how the community of medicine is going, in terms of the regulations, we can't just sit in the corner with our arms folded. We have to be part of the conversation. You guys are here, so we're already part of the conversation, but we have to amplify our voices, and then we have to go with it and move forward as best we can. And med school medicine is the perfect accidental leadership. A lot of us have never really thought about how we lead. We just show up, and we just start, and we're the, you know, most experienced doctor in the room sometimes. You're like, oh my goodness, I don't know, but here we go, right? So, and the hierarchy thing, just one quick thought, and I am almost done, I promise, but the hierarchy thing is um, PGY1s asked me, they're like, who's better, a PGY1 or a PA? Uh, I don't think you really want the answer to that question right now, right? Because I've worked with my PA for a decade, okay? So hierarchy does not work well in 2018, okay? Any one of us in any station, in any leadership role has the opportunity to be a leader. And any one of us in a high leadership role has the opportunity to act like a first day intern. So the opportunity is for us to take to act like leaders. Character, the outward reflection of your inward values, knowing who you are on the inside is the way to reflect positively in the way that you want on the outside. So it's really truly a choice. Who do you want to be? My job as an emergency general surgeon, I know I'm a complete stranger, but in 30 minutes you're asleep and I have a knife in my hand. Do you trust me? Like, that's what I do. That's a pretty big deal. Like, I hope that I show up like the people on the right, your left, um, and not, like, on the other side, right? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, so think about it. Like, as, as as fellows, as residents, like, you can wear a hoodie and a three-day beard and do all this stuff. Like, we can get away with a lot of stuff because we're doctors. We can park in, like, five parking spaces, and people are like, oh, that doctor, he's going fast down the road because he's a doctor, and there must be something amazing going on. you're like, yeah, like, uh, got to get my latte, right? Like... <laughs> we can make a choice to be the leaders that we want people to respect us as and for me this is where the rubber hits the road that mindfulness in the age of complexity the rules that you were given worked for the person who created them and the more different that you are from that person the worse that they're going to work for you and when you are mindful rules routines and goals guide you they do not govern you all right So call it yoga, call it mindfulness, call it situational awareness, call it projecting your character, but if you know who you are and you can control yourself in space, you can change the world. So Stephen Cubby talks about stability um, as our mindset of the past, right? Marcus Welby, I walk in the room, the nurse knows my glove size, everything just happens magically and the patient gets better. Right now it feels like, and it is, and it, spoiler alert, always will be. A constant churn. So this is teamwork. This is loading your boat with people who know how to row, going over the rapid and praying like hell that you get there safely, right? And so we need to start reflecting on how to load the boat accurately. And that is not just my nurse and my MA and my PA and all the people I can control because I'm a doctor, but it's all the people that I can't control, like the administration, like the politicians, the people around us that make these huge decisions that affect our lives every day. So in terms of diversity, right, who are you? Who do you bring to the table? And what I want to say is that diversity is not an endpoint either. All day, every day, we bring a different person to every situation. Sometimes I'm the strung out mother of three little boys that are calling people names at school. Sometimes I'm an adult daughter and my mom's driving me crazy. Sometimes I'm the only girl in surgery in the entire town, right? I bring a whole bunch of different people, and that's not to minimize the enormous importance of the conversation on diversity, but it is to say that diversity affects. All of us and what we bring to the table affects all of us, and the more that we can use our voice and explain who we are and what we bring to the table, the better that we can navigate and talk and help each other. So, this all comes down to mentorship for me. The way we get over the 80 hours, the change, and all this stuff is we start talking. We know who we are and we share our stories. So, I was asked to go back and talk about being a woman in medicine, and I was like, I don't know, I got nothing to say. Like, what? I got ovaries. Good. Game over. Can I go? Um, And this person made me talk about this for a really long time. And what I realized, and this is a little bit ugly in talking about failures, but he paired me up with this woman who was like 20 years older than me, worked part-time, had a couple of grown-up daughters. You know, her husband uh, was the breadwinner and my inner monologue was like well if i got to stay home if i had a breadwinner husband if i got to have beautiful daughters instead of crazy wild little boys you know if i got to do all of these things you know maybe i'd be as cool as you are and i was like oh my gosh all right stop first of all ugly super ugly but second of all like if i'm not sharing my story about how to be the breadwinner mom of 3 associate chair of surgery i may not be your cup of tea But somebody in this room needs to hear that story. So when my intern pages mean it's like my four-week-old baby's at home and why on earth am I here on call, I can text her back and I can say, because you're writing a path for the future of medicine and you're doing something that I never had the luxury to do. And when we have two and three times the infertility rate of non-physicians, the opportunities to change the world are huge. Tools for self and profession. Number one, you've got limited personal resources. So take care of them. Be aware, name it, use your words, know your values. Um, Character exercise, right? What was your intention? What actually happened? What does it say about you? Fourth grader pulls a chair out from a friend, right? I wanted to be funny, but he's crying. What's it say about you? So we get to choose what we want it to say about us. We don't get to choose what other people say. I would say also that as we're judging what other people's intentions are, it's not totally fair, right? So this goes a lot of different ways, but recognizing that just because I thought it was funny doesn't mean somebody else does, and that wanting other people to see you as a leader means that doing things that look like a leader is probably helpful in that path. This is a lot like the Toyota Kata, and I don't know if you, like, lean. I hate lean, but it's interesting because the Kata part of lean, this building a cadence, is what did you want to have happen? What was your step? What happened? What are you going to change, right? It sounds a lot like the character exercise. So the point is that uh, creating a... Oops, sorry. Creating a process is a way of thinking. Simple steps can sort of get your brain in the rhythm so that you're walking two and a half miles a day before you go to work. Get your brain in the rhythm of constant daily adjustments. Next, rank order. So it's a decision process, right? Determine your values and order them. Put it in a way that you can be accountable. Choose friends, choose structure that can help you be accountable to who you want to be. Pick something on your calendar and take it off. You don't have to go all the places that you think you have to go. Take something off, whether that's an hour with Facebook or the next whatever meeting in the hospital at 5 p.m. Spend time doing something that is edifying and helps you. Um, Self-care, mutual respect, reflection, support. These are not optional things. These are human things. They need to happen. Uh, Tom Morris is a philosopher, and he said that looking out the window is the weapon of the philosophers, right? Time to reflect. So I ask you in the shower, driving to work, have you ever had an amazing thought? Let your mind wander. It's part of your future. And then finally, the moonshots and the roof shots. This is the shoes story. Take little teeny tiny steps that you can't say no to because eventually it's going to be some gigantic step and we're going to cure cancer. And fail quickly, allow yourself to fail in public. On failure, every single one of these stories, everything in the bio has a flip side. It has a negative story that I can tell myself about how I couldn't afford the last semester in college, about how when I ran for RFS governing council the second time. Um, David Rossman, who wasn't even a resident at the time, got up there and gave the most inspiring election speech ever. And he beat my pants off trying to get onto the governing council. And so I had to go into AMPAC as my next, because I was like, well, I got to get funded. I got to find something. Right. And so I've had an amazing run with AMPAC. But because I got beaten, because I failed big time and publicly in front of other people. Um, So just be aware that everything that looks fabulous has a side that you can tell yourself a story that's not as pretty. Happiness is a communicable disease. Spread happiness. The five and 10 is just 10 feet away, look up. Five feet away, smile. It's amazing if you walk down the hall like this and you're just like click, 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 click versus smiling, hey, how you doing, hi. It's a totally different feel. You can do small things that turn into big things. Read, 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 all the time read. It's all relevant. Tate Shanafelt in the executive leadership, physician well-being, it's a way to organize yourself that was already kind of alluded to and talked to, steps forward. And balance is about an active daily process, to be or not to be balanced, right? Wally, like the people like, oh, my gosh, have you ever sat on the couch and like your drink was too far away and you're mad at the couch because your drink is too far away, right? Like we have got to be part of our own life because being is joy. That's how we get there is being active in this role. We are here by choice. The most important thing is if you're ever on the side of the bridge, this is a choice. You can change directions. You can go another way. Make sure you take a choice. Take the choices in the ways that make you happy and are edifying. And on the other side of complexity, I think that Dr. Jensen is right. The answer is to get tough, work harder, and stop complaining because this is our moment. This is our moment to take back the future of medicine. Thank you.
0: That was Dr. Buckley, and this is Moving Medicine. This episode is one of a three-part series on physician well-being. You can subscribe to Moving Medicine and other great AMA podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. You can also sign up for exclusive tips to promote professional well-being, combat burnout, and improve resiliency at ama-assn.org slash physician-burnout or visit stepsforward.org which has more than 50 modules with expert-driven, field-tested strategies designed to help you successfully implement meaningful change in your practice. Thanks for listening.